It's awesome. Thank you guys for leading us in worship. I failed to introduce myself a moment ago. Uh, my name's Danny Forshee, and if you're a guest, we're delighted to have you. I'm the lead pastor here at Great Hills for uh, 12, a uh, little over 12 years now, and uh, thank you for being here. We, my wife and I, uh, we would love to meet you if you're a first-time guest especially. We go to the coffee shop right after the service, and uh, we would, uh, give you a, we'll give you a gift. We'll just chat with you just a moment just to uh, introduce ourselves and love for you to introduce yourself to us. And like I said, we'll give you a, a small gift, just a token of our appreciation. If you would, if you're a first-time guest, either online or in the, in the house here today, uh, right in front of you, there should be a QR code somewhere close to you. If you take your phone and just uh, focus in on it and fill out the, uh, the information there. It's so cool how many of you do this. Y'all come, you do, you're sitting here, and when you go meet us in the coffee shop, we ask, well, did you have a chance to fill out the QR code? And you're like, yes, we did. You asked us to do it, and we did it. And so that's great. That gives us a record uh, of your visit so that we can just do some brief follow-up with you and let you know that we're delighted to have you with us here. We're, we're delighted. I tell you, it's a blessing uh, to gather together in worship. And I think I'm just... A little more sensitive to it today uh, because of that statistic that I, that I shared with you. I spoke to a group Saturday morning a week ago. Uh, they were having a retreat, and they're forming. A, these are leaders from all over really Europe and the world, and they come together for this retreat, and I shared a message with them, and they are starting a brand-new ministry. They're called Frontliners International. And their ministry is going to uh, help and minister to the uh, persecuted church. And one of the things that they will be doing is going into closed countries, handing out Bibles or smuggling Bibles into those closed countries. And so, aren't you glad? You could just say amen after this question. If you're glad, are you glad to live in this country? I tell you, I'm just so grateful to God. I mean, God's sovereign. He's so sovereign. He's so generous and gracious uh, to allow us to be born in this country. And I would invite you, if you've never traveled overseas, go to some of the places that I have gone that I will be going again, thank you, Lord, post-COVID. We'll be going into some very difficult slums of Asia. And uh, I tell you, it'll make you a much better American if you can get out and go see and be so thankful for what God has blessed us with. So today is Psalm 33. And I would invite you to turn in your Bibles if you have a copy of God's Word. Uh, if you do not, let me encourage you. When you come to church, bring your Bible. You can put it on your phone, on your tablet. You can write it on your hand. It doesn't matter to me. Just come with a Bible. And we're going to read it on the screen. It's Psalm 33. And what I want to do is read portions of this. And this is my, my message today. It's called The Blessed Nation. Now, you're going to recognize one of these verses. You may recognize many of the verses. Uh, but there's one in particular that you're going to recognize. And my message is really centered on verse 12, which says, Blessed is the nation uh, whose God is the Lord. Now, blessed is the nation who has this God, the God that Psalm 33 and, and really the whole narrative of the Bible is about, this triune God, this awesome God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, his covenant-keeping name uh, for Israel was Yahweh, the self-existent, eternal God who was, who is, who forever will be. And this God, uh, the psalmist says, if you know this God, then you are above all nations and all people. You're going to be very blessed. And then... The psalmist, before verse 12 and after verse 12, watch this. He gives you and I reasons why we can say, 
We are blessed if we know this God. And I think you're just going to enjoy just reading Psalm 33. And I know that America is not Israel. There's one Israel, and I know that, and you know that. And Israel, even to this day, is a highly favored, cherished nation among nations. Of course, they are a hated and despised nation by many, but not by us. And glory to God, the Bible talks about being a friend to Israel and blessing Israel. I know that America is not Israel, and I get that. But I also know that our nation is blessed, enormously blessed by God because of the fact that our founding fathers came with a grand experiment and they wanted to establish a nation upon the Judeo-Christian biblical ethic and principles. And so that's why I believe, that's why we have all that we have, all these natural resources, all this freedom, all of these blessings that we have today, I attribute it to the fact that God has blessed us. Now, what I'm gonna share with you today, if you're a a generation alpha, if you're a generation Z, a lot of what I'm gonna share to you today is gonna come across as very controversial. You're gonna come, I'm gonna be sharing some things, especially toward the end of my sermon. Y'all pray for me, all right? Y'all pray for me toward the end of my sermon because I'm just gonna go there. I'm just gonna go to abortion and homosexuality. I'm just gonna go toward all of those things. Now, for our younger generation, you're gonna look at me and say, that is the most ridiculous, bizarre thing I have ever heard in my life. Nobody talks about those things. I don't learn this in the school systems, in the universities, the colleges, the public schools. This, this is foreign. You're going to look at me like I'm some alien up here. And, and that's okay. I've looked alienish before. But for, for some of you older generation, you're, you're probably something within you is going to rise up. And you're just going to say, praise God. Somebody still believes what, what he believes, what he is preaching. And so I'm, I'm just going ahead and preparing you, okay? I'm just kind of setting the stage because we're going to launch there, and then we're going to land the plane, and then my detailed security escort is going to whisk me away for you never to see me again. Um, so how did we get to where we are as far as the blessings? I'm going to take you through just some of the founding fathers and some of what they believed and what they said, okay? And you can argue with this, but you'd have to argue with Jefferson and with Adams and with Washington and the whole coterie of founding fathers. There's reasons why we have what we have and we do what we do uh, in this nation. For example, there are reasons why the president of the United States places his hand on the Quran all the time. Is that right? That's not right. He places his hand on a book called the what? The Bible. Do you know the Supreme Court justices of the United States, whenever they are sworn in, uh, they put their hands on the Bible and they are sworn in, unless you are Justice Kentanji Jackson. She put her hand on two Bibles. I thought that was the coolest thing this week. Did y'all see that? When she was sworn in, I was looking at that and her husband was holding two big Bibles. One of them was their family Bible and the other one was called the Harlan Bible. The Harlan Bible was given to the court in 1906 by Justice Harlan, okay? But you say, why? Why are they putting their hands on the Bible? Now, y'all know I'm not making this up, young people, okay? You can, you can look at it, okay? You can see it on TV. It's, it's, if it's on TV, it's gotta be true, right? So you're watching it on TV. They got their hands on the Bible. The reason why would be something like this. Our first president, 
George Washington was fighting with everything he had for the freedom that we so enjoy. If you've never read the biography of George Washington, I would implore you to read it. In 1777, he is kneeling in the snow in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, and he's, he's facing doom. <laughs> he's facing defeat. And this grand experiment is just that. And the nations of the world are laughing. They're thinking the grand experiment of America, it's doomed for failure. They will never make. How in the world could you break away from mighty England? They, they're doomed for failure. And George General, not President, General George Washington, 1777, is kneeling in the snow and he's lifting up his voice. He says, God, if you don't help us, we're doomed. Please help us. Fast forward to Ronald Reagan a few years ago. Well, now a few Decades ago, Ronald Reagan said this about President Washington. The image of George Washington kneeling in prayer in the snow is one of the most famous in American history. All right, now these are our presidents we're talking about, okay? The president of the United States reflecting on another president of the United States saying that one of the most iconic, powerful images that we have as a nation. By the way, we're a very young nation, right? 200 plus years of age, that's it. He goes, when he's kneeling in the snow, it is one of the most famous in all American history. He personified a people who knew they must seek help from God, end of quotations. Thomas Jefferson, he said this about the Bible. He said, the Bible, the word of God, is the rock upon which our whole republic rests. Let me say that again. Thomas Jefferson said, now when I quote Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin and uh, John Adams and Washington. I've read all their biographies, by the way, okay? I do not agree with everything that they believed, okay? I, I do not agree with everything that they said. By the way, there's only one person that I agree with unequivocally and wholeheartedly, and that would be Jesus, okay? And, and, and the Word of God. Everybody else is, they're, they're, they're flawed. They're, they're like you and they're like me. But there's a lot of things that I do agree with and I applaud and I appreciate. And what I'm trying to do is present a case to why we are where we are in America today. Why do we have emblazoned up in Congress, you know, in God we trust? Why is that on our currency? Why, why are people putting their hands on Bibles? Why in the world do every congressional session begin with a word of prayer? Why? Why is all of this? Well, you got to go back to our Genesis, to our inception. You got G General George Washington kneeling in the snow. He ain't praying to Buddha. I'm just going to tell you, okay? If that offends you, you're going to have to be offended. He's not praying to Muhammad. He's praying to Jesus in the snow. Jefferson said, the rock upon which our whole republic rests is this book, the Word of God. Speaking of Jefferson, he said, look, when I die, I want you to put three things on my tombstone. And by the way, I've seen it. And these three things are on his tombstone. It is the coolest thing. Author of the Declaration of Independence, the person who emblazoned the, the trail for religious liberty. And number three, put on there that I created and I founded the University of Virginia. All three of those things are on his uh, tombstone. I think Jefferson would applaud uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch just this week when the SCOTUS ruled in favor of a high school football coach named Joe Kennedy, who kneeled on, <laughs> he kneeled down in the middle of this football field seven years ago and he would pray. He didn't ask anybody to join him. All he did, he says, I'm just thankful to God to be an American. I'm thankful to God to play and coach this wonderful football game and this football team. And so as he prayed, well, his players would gather around him and say, Coach, you mind if we pray? And he goes, I don't mind if y'all pray with me. Well, he lost his job. He was terminated. He was fired because of separation of 
religion, and the state. I think Thomas Jefferson would rise up and say, man, America, you got it right when you exonerated him and you vindicated him. And here's what Neil Gorsuch said. It's not that controversial. It's just what he said. The Constitution and the best of our traditions, i.e. Jefferson and such, their counsel, they counsel mutual respect and tolerance, not censorship and suppression for religious and non-religious views alike, end of quote. Who said this? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created? What? We got, somebody thought we were created? I thought we just, just appeared, you know, just a cosmic burp happened and we just, okay, no. Jefferson said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, Declaration of Independence. All men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Cre what? Creator, a creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And here he comes. Probably the one I disagree with the most is Benjamin Franklin. But Benjamin Franklin can shock you. He can surprise you. Obviously, the prodigious mind. All these guys were just brilliant, genius men. Men of patriots loved their new country. And this is what um, Benjamin Franklin said. Now, going back in history, this Constitutional Convention in 1787. We're just 10 years old, and it's, again, y'all, it's like, oh, we're going to make it. If they're at an impasse. The Constitutional Convention is at an impasse. They cannot come to an agreement. And Benjamin Franklin stood up, and he said these words, to that kind providence, to God, we owe this happy opportunity of consulting in peace on the means of establishing our future, future national felicity. And have we now forgotten that powerful friend? Y'all know who he's talking about? Come on, Jesus. Have we forgotten that powerful friend? I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs that I see is this truth. God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is probable that an empire cannot rise without his aid. We have been assured, sir, in the sacred rot. What? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings, and he quotes Psalm 127, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I present to you, let's get this act together. Guys, we got to come together. We got to figure this out because the nations of the world are watching us. And by the way, I submit to you, before we meet, every time before we meet, we got to assign some pastor to come in here and pray over us. This is how we got to where we are. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And we are as close to that nation of any nation in the world. Now, people are going to argue with me and say that is a bunch of baloney. The presidents really didn't say those things. If you're a younger generation, I'm going to promise you this with integrity. I'm presenting this message to you. This is the truth. This is how our nation was founded. So what I want to do now is I just want to walk you through the nature and the character of a God that would bless us so much. Can I do that for the next few minutes? Just as a pastor, a preacher of the Word of God, I've shared with you my history lessons, uh, but now I want to share with you what the Word of God says. Y'all ready for it? Amen. All right, here we go. Blessed is the blessed nation. All right, here we go. Psalm 33. We're going to begin with these three verses. Rejoice in the Lord 
Notice it's all caps. That is Yahweh. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord with the harp. Kristen Gibbs, amen, you're, the, you're there. Make melody to him with an instrument of 10 strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Now the psalmist invites us, the creation, to praise our creator. And so I wanna stop right there and just say what we just did a few moments ago, guys. In the freedom and the prosperity of our nation was very, very biblical. We were praising the Lord. We had instruments. Sometimes we'll have a violinist up here. Sometimes we have a harpist up here. Sometimes we have a, a full brass band, brass band people. Y'all playing in my house. Y'all playing up at my house. Is that tomorrow, David Winkler? When are y'all playing? Monday? Is it Monday? Y'all gonna be at Santa Rita Ranch where I live, right? Tomorrow, tomorrow is Monday, right? Okay, y'all gonna be there. I'm gonna come watch y'all at 10 o'clock. Praise the Lord with all of this. You say, why are we doing this? Because it's biblical, it's right, it's good. The nation that is so blessed by God, there should be times when those people gather together and worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And what we just did a moment ago was so pure, it was so righteous, it was not quite as demonstrative and celebratory as I would like it. Because some of y'all are still sleepy. Some of y'all are like, Praise the Lord. You know, I just made it. Hallelujah. I got out of bed and I made it. And by the way, when you come, that ought not be our attitude. I, I didn't matter if you like the song or not. It doesn't matter. If we're here and we're worshiping, we ought to be standing. We ought to be smiling. I was looking at some of y'all's faces a moment ago. Y'all look like, man, there was no demonstrative celebratory. Hallelujah. Praise God. We've got the God of all gods. The Lord of all lords, he has blessed us. He's created us and we gather to worship him. You got to inform your faces about these things, all right? And I mean, man, we sang an old hymn at the end. We sang some fun stuff at the beginning. There's got to be some reason in there. You would just say, whoo, praise the Lord. I'm excited to be here. This is God's church. This is where we come together for corporate worship. Something majestic and inspiring when the people of God come together and praise the Lord. He said, sing a new song to the Lord. Did y'all catch that little bridge that John did about, uh, I didn't know that. I was like, I was trying to learn that as quick as I could because, I mean, I was trying to sing that because the Bible says, sing a new song to the Lord. Some of y'all are looking at me like, where are you going with this? I was all excited about the founding fathers and the quoting of the Constitution and about all and the Declaration of Independence. Hold on just a second. The beauty and the genius of God's Word. This jewel of verse 12 is tucked within, right in the middle of all of these accolades. Watch this. It's going to talk about the nature of God, the character of God, who this God is. And whenever an individual, a family, I would say a business, a church, or a nation, whenever we line ourselves under the rubric of the authority of that God, then look out, you're going to be blessed. Conversely, if you don't, you're not going to be blessed. Blessed is the nation whose God, this God, is the Lord. So number one, praise the Lord. Number two, let's be in awe of this God. Now I'm going to read a bunch of verses so y'all stay with me. Verse four, for the word of the Lord is right and all of his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. 
The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Woo, come now. Isn't that good? The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. I just think about this earth, all the mountains and the oceans and the, and the lakes and the rivers and the, and the beauty and the grandeur. This is God's gift to us by the word of the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. He made it. He made it all. The heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, boom, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Here it comes. Blessed. You see what he's doing? He's building this crescendo of here's how you and I are supposed to respond to this God. We are, we're so blessed and we want to be a blessing to him. Blessed is the nation whose God is this God. You with me? This God. All the gods of the, the peoples. He's not some weak pagan deity that the nations of the world worship then or worshiping now. No, he is the God. The God of all gods. And this God is the one that the United States of America was built upon and how we got so blessed. It's true. You can see it in our founding documents. Our founding fathers, they relied upon... Now, I know what some of you are going, man, have we drifted far from this God. Man, are we so far gone from the original intent of our founding fathers. And we're going to go there in just a minute. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own, own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. Mm. He considers all of their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver by any, uh, any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. So as we walk through verses four through 19, I can't just go to every verse, but I'm just gonna give you some snippets, some highlights. And again, what I'm doing is I'm accentuating this God, this God of all gods, Lord of all lords, creator is where we begin. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, he is a God of truth, a God of righteousness and justice. Verses 6 and 7 talk about that God is the God who creates ex nihilo, Latin for out of nothing. God speaks and the universe is formed. Everything that we see is the creation, is, is from the genius of the creative mind of God. And so this God, see what, see what uh, the psalmist is doing? He's going, look guys, this God is the God who has blessed Israel. He chose Israel in Genesis chapter 12, verse three. He says, look, I'm choosing you. Of all the nations of the world, I'm choosing you, Abram, Ur of the Chaldeans, and I'm gonna bless you. 
and all the nations of the world are going to be blessed through you, Abraham. And sure enough, here we are. We are the offspring, the blessed. We, we receive the blessings of that Abrahamic covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis 12, 3. I would say to you today that God did something similar with us. I think God just looked down upon us and said, I'm, I'm going to bless you. And again, I know that we're not Israel. I get that. But I just know the only way I can attribute all this prosperity, all of these blessings, all of this freedom. Good night, people. Somebody had to give it to us. If you don't believe me, go look and live in another nation. I mean, they're crippled with, with debt. They are crippled with fear. They, the, the nations of this world, by and large, I mean, they're, it's destitute. But here we are, and we just got all these blessings and all this prosperity, and we enjoy all these. Guys, look, if you live in just a modest home in America, did you know that you live like a king? <laughs> You live like a queen in most places uh, of the world. Verse 6 and 7, I love just, I wish I could just camp out here forever. The, the miracle of God's creation. I've read and I continue to read. They're very smart, intelligent people who disagree with me. And they say, you got it all wrong. The aliens created everything. <laughs> Sir Francis Crick, the co-discoverer of the macromolecule DNA, he believes Brilliant scientists believed that the aliens sent a spaceship to Earth. Somehow the bacteria rolled off the spaceship, and here we are. All right? That's what he believes. Others believe that evolution is absolutely brilliant. But I believe that God is awesome. That God, God created us. That God fashioned us. And he determined in his sovereign mind, he pre-appointed Acts 17, the times and the places that you and I would be so blessed to be born. Part of God's power and his ability is not only to create, but verses 10 and 11 talk about his ability to confound the nations that would oppose him. Then here it is in verse 12, tucked right in the heart of the psalm. It's like David or whoever wrote it. It's, it's like he's thinking, oh my goodness, people, do y'all know? Do, Israel, have you forgotten? That it's this God, the God who first and foremost is creator God. He has blessed us exorbitantly and enormously. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. That, those are big words for me. God can do anything. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. If you look in verse 13 and 14, that means his gaze is everywhere. Then verse 15, y'all, this just grabbed my heart. I, I got to share it with you. Verse 15 says, he fashions our hearts individually. Isn't that powerful? That this great God of the cosmos, this great, awesome God of the universe knows my name. He fashioned my mind. He created my heart. He gave me my fingerprint. He gave me my specific DNA that nobody on this earth has. It's like the Psalms is like, don't miss, yes, the macro. It's awesome. God is awesome. He's created everything, but don't miss the micro that God is in the tiny details that he loves you. Even the hairs on your head, they are numbered. The, the, the Hebrew word yatsar, I wish you had underlined it in verse 15. It says he fashions their hearts individually. The same Hebrew, Hebrew word is used in Psalm 139 verse 16, which says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written. The days, Yatsar, they were fashioned for me. 
when as yet there were none of them. Do y'all see why I'm pro-life? Because God is pro-life. That's why I'm pro-life. God created me. He fashioned me in my mother's womb. I am special. I'm highly prized. And God doesn't want somebody coming in and destroying me and aborting my little baby body because that's his handiwork. It's God's stuff. He created us. He created us in his image. And that's why he wants us to be protected and honored and have the gift of life, okay? So this is this God who creates, who fashions, who watches everything. In verse 16 and 17 says, it's not the strength of man who can do this or preserve us, but it's God. And it reminded me of Psalm 27, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Final thing I wanna share with you, here it comes. Let's trust in the Lord for everything. Praise him, yes. Why? Because of his character, because of his nature. I didn't think I could go through verses four through 19 in 10 minutes. I did, okay? I, that's a miracle. Some of y'all that know me, that's a miracle. But I really want to land our theological plain sermon today with verses 20 through 22. Let's trust in him for everything. Here we go. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O oh Lord, be upon us. Could y'all pray that with me today? God, let your mercy, not your wrath, not your wrath. We deserve your wrath, O oh God. But let your mercy, O oh Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. Did y'all see it? Verse 20 says, let's wait on the Lord. Verse 21 says, let's trust in the Lord. And verse 22 says, let us hope in the Lord. Why? Because we are a nation that's drifted so far from God. This God. Not one of these false, puny, pagan, polytheistic deities that the world worships. No. This God. The creator spoke you into existence, who sustains you with his arms. This is the God that has created you and allowed you to be born in the greatest nation, arguably in the history of mankind. And we have drifted. And what I'm about to share with you as I look at my notes here, it's for the, I'm sorry for the Generation Alpha and the Gen Zs because y'all going to look at me and like go, I've never heard anything like that before. That's, that's the most bizarre teaching that I have ever heard. And here's why. If you only listen to one side, you will eventually believe that side. If you never hear a preacher, a pastor, preach God's word, if you don't have parents who are surrounding you with biblical truth and teaching you, if you don't get in a small group where you are countering and refuting what the world says, if you don't do that, then I wasn't surprised that, that many at Great Hills are not happy about Roe v. Wade. Many of our younger generation are not happy with, about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Now, some of our older people, some of y'all about fit to be tied. Some of y'all just stand up and say, I'm just, I'm just, I'm so mad about it. I'm so upset about it. Y'all, this is our world. But don't be so harsh and judgmental because that's all they know. 
We have to teach. We have to share truth. We have to be passionate and do it with love. In the name of tolerance and in the worship of the goddess of sex, we are where we are today. The whole homosexuality debate and the whole abortion debate, we are, we are messing with the worship of the God of sex. And when you tamper there, then you're gonna get the wrath of the worshipers of the goddess of sexuality. Because it boils back to that. This is my body. I will do with it what I wanna do with it. I'll sleep with whoever I wanna sleep with. And, and come what may, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna sleep with who I wanna sleep with. Everybody has a choice. We have a right to decide whether we're gonna have sex or not, okay? That, that's our choice. I think that's when your choice ends. Because when there's a baby, when there's a life, doesn't he deserve a chance? Doesn't she deserve a choice? We put, you put them there, and shouldn't we at least give them an opportunity to live? The whole abortion, the whole homosexuality debate, y'all, this, this will be the fight that will continue to rage on, and on I think, till Jesus comes. And I believe the pieces are being put in place for our nation to join the 85% of the nation's Christians of the world and to be persecuted. I don't see how we're gonna get around it. I don't know how we're gonna get around it unless God does a miracle, unless God sends a revival, then we are aligning ourselves up with being marginalized and eventually persecuted. I hadn't said this in a long time, but I want to say it. Marriage is a sacred covenant created by God, given the parameters by God, that marriage is to be between a man and a woman brought together in the name of Jesus who created marriage in the first place. We are given our biological sex at birth why is it so controversial when we say a man who's genetically and biologically a man cannot compete with a genetic biological woman? I, am I missing something? Am I missing something? I believe that God has created us in his image and he loves us right the way we are and he wants us to flourish. He wants us to prosper, but he wants us to do it within his guidelines and within his parameters. And I'm saying this, y'all, literally, I didn't plan to cry when I said it, but here's the thing. I'm sharing with you the truth of what God says about life, about what God says about marriage and about homosexuality is a sin. Heterosexuality, promiscuity is a sin. Those are the things that God calls sins. And God does that because he says, I want to protect you. I love you. I want to build a wall of protection around you. And when you burst out of that wall, then there's all kinds of problems. There's all kinds of diseases. There's all kinds of, of issues and difficulties that God would never want us to endure. It doesn't matter. And I've tried to do this. Downtown at, at the Capitol in Austin, standing before a group about this size and was shouted down vehemently, vociferously shouted down, feared a little bit for my life. And that's in America. This is our nation, right? It doesn't matter how compassionate I am or how loving I am. The moment I say homosexuality is wrong and uh, abortion is wrong, look, I am not only to be disliked, but I am to be punished. 
That's where we're going. That's where we're going. And only God could protect us. Only God could send a revival. But I was meeting with this group, y'all. This, this was quite a group last Saturday. This guy's brilliant. He put his hand out like this and he says, the pieces are forming in our nation so that everywhere in every nation, the same pieces were put in place before the church became marginalized and persecuted and the same things are happening in our country. Under our eye, under our very noses. And I'm, I'm an optimist somewhat. I'm a realist somewhat. I'm a pessimist somewhat. I, I'm believing God for revival. I'm believing God to, to, Lord, send revival, protect us and all those things. But would it, could it be that God will allow his church in America? Would he allow us to be persecuted and suffer to make us strong so that we're ready when the king comes back? And I just want y'all to know something. Jesus is coming again. He's watching. He's watching. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you're an Alpha and you're a Gen Z, what I just shared with you, you're probably going, dude, that is the most radical, crazy thing I have ever heard in my life. That God created me, that I'm supposed to be pro-life, and I'm supposed to be pro-heterosexual marriage. Brother Danny, I, I like you and all, brother, but you are strange. I mean, this, nobody, nobody believes it. Look, almost nobody believes that in the secular academia of our nation today, right? But God still believes that. And the church of the living God is still preaching that. So here's how I wanna, here's how I wanna close. Blessed is the nation, the family, and the individual who has this God who builds his life upon this rock upon which Jefferson said uh, is the rock of our republic. I want to encourage you today. I really do. I, I come to you with tears in my eyes and brokenness in my heart because I'm, I live in the same nation you do and I, I'm in the same battles that you're in. But I, I believe if we will be faithful to God, if we will be faithful to his word and we will speak the truth with love, again, some are going to demonize us and some are going to wish that we could be punished. I mean, guys, I never thought in my life that a Supreme Court justice house would be surrounded by a mob, by some even threatening to kill them. I've, I've heard that there, there are many, like a, a, like a whole lot of people who see that and they're like, I, I don't want to be a part of that because that's not the nation that I, I want to be a part of, where people are, are, are so vilified and demonized because they have a different viewpoint. I just want you to know, I love everybody, and I'll talk to anybody, and I, publicly and privately, I have debated every one of these ethical issues that I have shared with you, but I've tried to always try to do it with love and with compassion, and I would encourage you to do the same thing. Do you know, do you know this God? If you don't, I'm gonna implore you and beg of you, give your heart to him. He is the one true God. He either is or he's not, but he is. He's the creator, he's the sustainer, he's the all-ruling providence that our nation was built upon. 
Jesus Christ is the son of God who died on the cross for your sins. He was buried, he arose from the dead and he invites you to say, come. He says, tell me, invite me to say, come into your heart. He'll come into your heart. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll give you a biblical worldview, a worldview that honors him and worships him, that honors life, that honors marriage, that wants to do the right thing. Look, this God is the God who's coming back. And I'm just so glad that I don't know how many sermons like this I'll get to do like this. At the rate we're going, who knows where we'll be in 10 years. Uh, Y'all remember I said this about two years ago. I said, I'm kind of concerned for our nation. I had no idea we would be where we are uh, today. But I want us to continue on and be faithful uh, to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you are the God of all gods. And that, Lord, we recognize today our absolute dependence upon you. I know I'm dependent upon you. I know, Lord, our church is, our nation is. Lord, we, we should repent, God. We should, we should come back to you with begging, begging you for forgiveness for how far, Lord, we have drifted from you and from the impetus upon which our nation was built, a nation that feared God, a nation that loved one another, that agreed to disagree, so, Lord, we're just praying today, right here, right now, for those that are watching us online, for those that are right here in this church today, we're asking you, Lord, to draw us, God, close to you. Lord, if we know you, then revive us, O oh God. And help us next time when we come to church, help us, Lord, to come with some joy. Help us to come expecting to hear from God and to meet this great God in worship. I pray for those that don't know you, Lord, for those, God, that have, in their minds, they have they have worshiped at the altar of the God of sex or the God of money or the God of pleasure. Lord, would you show them the futility and the worthlessness it is to worship those false gods? Lord, may they come. May they come to Jesus and be clean and be washed and to know that there is a God who loves them, who wants to save them, who wants to empower them to be a witness. Lord, I'm praying. I'm gonna pray for you right here, right now. If you would wanna give your heart to Christ today, that you would do it. You say, what do I need to do? I know what you said is true. I believe this book is the word of God. What do I do? You come to God and you say, God, I'm a sinner. Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. I give you my life today, oh God. Would you do that? Would you do it right now? I would invite you to do that. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be, not maybe, but they will be saved. Would you tell somebody? Before you leave today, would you walk down this, this aisle of a church? Would you take your friend by the hand and say, today I gave my heart to Christ and I'm not ashamed of it. I wanna follow him, I wanna serve him. We invite you to do that. Some of you are here today and I'm, and I'm praying for you. I, I know that your biblical worldview is under assault as mine is. And I wanna pray for you as I pray for me that God would give us strength, that we would speak the truth in love and that we would prepare for persecution. Barring a miracle, we are going to be persecuted. Barring an intervention of God, all the chess pieces have lined up perfectly as they have in all the other nations that have preceded us for the church of the living God to be marginalized, to be imprisoned, to be persecuted. And Jesus, I just want you to know, if you allow that to happen in our nation, I'm just praying. I'm praying that we'll be strong, Lord. We'll be strong and we'll testify at every opportunity that you give us. That Lord, we will, we will be totally leaning upon your word 
And Lord, I believe it's going to be in those moments like the church in China that is exploding, like the church in Iran that is exploding today. Under the rubric of persecution and totalitarian governments, God, your, your word and your spirit is moving. And Lord, maybe that's what it's going to take. Maybe that's what it will take in our nation. I, I just pray, God, in wrath, remember your mercy and help us when that day comes. Help us to be strong. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.